Wednesday Night Wallop presents in association with Ryland's Morning Sports Report. Sports fans, it's time to begin a brand new series. Kyle and I have, man, we've we've uh, really this this uh, this series has been up and down experience trying to get this thing recorded. Welcome everybody to Drive to Rewind, Ryland Turner, Kyle Joseph, and we're not talking about wrestling. We're not talking about any other regular sport. We're talking about F1 racing. Specifically, we are reviewing the. Formula One Drive to Survive series that happen or that happens to be uh, produced by Netflix. Kyle, how are you, sir? I'm good. Like I will say, this has pulled me my fascination back into Formula One in a pretty big way. I think the biggest thing for it is you say that we're not talking about wrestling, but the drama <laughs> of this says fully otherwise. Absolutely. That's I think part of the reason as to why I got into this series was basically the draw. I mean, again, it's Netflix is going to do what they're going to do. Netflix is going to Netflix and they're going to add drama to this series. They're, they're they've been criticized for adding uh, drama that isn't there. But nonetheless, I think this series has done wonders for this um, this this uh, sport in North America as to opening people to to, you know, what exactly this is and, 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 you know, showing off the personalities of all the drivers, team principals, and just all the drama dollars to uh, operate a successful team. Uh, this, it's, it, it really, it's a tremendous look at it. This is this is I'm a guy who couldn't give two craps about auto racing, but suddenly I'm I'm very interested. Yeah, I think the big thing about it is just like there is a natural fascination because I'll say this about about sports is and they tried to do a series recently about this uh, about tennis. And the one thing I will say that they were always going to find difficulty with tennis in a, in a large, important tennis tournament, there are 128 men, 128 women who enter that tournament. Um, and, and throughout the calendar <laughs> season, you're getting uh, whether or not they're going to have success or play different people or who's going to do what. It's it, there is a lot of element of of. Um, chaos to any particular sports team trying to follow it. Some people stick around, but there's a lot of turnover, and there's a lot of like those types of things that you expect to see. In a Formula One season, with few exceptions, it's going to be those 20, 21, 22 guys, and the same people who own those teams, basically, and 
throughout the seventh place, the people have moved around different teams and, and that, and we've had, you know, some new drivers come along. There's always probably about three or four every year who will make some form of debut, but it's pretty consistently, we see a lot of the same faces. Right. And you get to see them interact and you get to see how they feel about each other and how they, you know, communicate, relate wondering, to each yeah, other. We'll, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, one thing I will say is I've known who Lewis Hamilton is forever. I've always known he was an F1 driver. I always knew he was a successful F1 driver. And the seasons we're going to focus on today don't even really highlight too much of him. But it wasn't until this show that I really knew Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, 100%. And I think the we're talking about seasons one and two. So we'll say for season one, the, it was clear that this was more concept than it was... Um, uh, than than it was any like specific like we're gonna really dig deep and be the the ones chronicling this. It felt more like um showing stories about sports than it, and it was a bit more disjoint than I think it gets to be later uh, with some of the through lines. And they clearly didn't have access to some of the the top people involved because this was still a concept at the time. But. There are some fascinating people and people who we saw throughout the course of this series who, you know, got their start early on. And it was very clear who the stars of this were largely because they were just willing to, like, put themselves out there and be be um, on camera and open about what they're what they're going to say, like. Daniel Ricardo is sort of the the point of view character, I think, for season one. I think that's fair to say. Um, him and Gunther Steiner, I think, are the two big, like, focused on recurring characters of season one. And Daniel Ricardo, uh, for better or for worse, was was made for this. Absolutely, he and. To even go back to, to the pro wrestling, like this guy has so many turns that he is easily the most one of the most likable um, individuals on this show, but at times one of the most dislikable as well. Yeah, and it's just I mean, and the thing about it is that the thing you have to sort of get into, which is very interesting uh, in a way that you don't see in other sports. Um, because the big thing when you go into sports because of the teams and everything that gets involved and the people who are, are involved in it, every player when they go to their new team are very much, you know, I'm on board this team and I'm here to, for the long haul and this is where I'm going to, you know, do my career and it's going to be great. And there's the whole, like, off-season, what off-season? What are you talking about? Um is sort of the, the prevailing attitude, I think, in, in a lot of sports just because, you know, the the fans are so keen on on loyalty and there's i think everybody in formula 1 in the kind of refreshing way recognizes what the game is absolutely there there's a lot of you know people are going to move around and teams are going to get rid of drivers and drivers are going to try to find new teams and everyone's going to sort of you know work to find something that works and if it doesn't we'll just do it again just something different again next year and, you know, no hard feelings. And 
that is, I mean, there, you do get some, you know, senses of some different tensions and different things like that. And it is very interesting to see relationships between teammates as we get into that. Um, but we'll get into the, the stuff for, for season one. And yeah, Daniel Ricardo, uh, very fun character. He's definitely, he's a lot. He's out there. He is, um, you know, he, and he was willing to, you know, speak his mind about a lot of the different stuff. And it was, it's cool to see his, his perspective. And this, of course, coincided because I believe this was his last season with Red Bull. He had changed teams after the 2018 Formula One season and ends up going, uh, finding a new team with Renault. But, and it was interesting to see his sort of, his situation where he at that point in time was kind of considered to be a, a big deal driver. Like he won, uh, he won a couple of races that, uh, in this particular year, he won Monaco. He had a lot of fastest laps in this year was kind of a, um, a big deal driver, but he just wasn't the guy that. Red Bull sort of had as the future, and he wanted to be a champion. Certainly. This was also like the – this was kind of like um, our first real look at, at the young upstart in Max Verstappen and how from the very beginning he was coming for that seat. Yes. Max Verstappen is a lot of things. Um, he is not lacking in confidence. Which, I mean, if you're, not, if you're as good as Max Verstappen, you don't really need to be. Uh, but he is not, he is certainly a guy who, you know, for, before he was the guy that he kind of is, because he finished fourth this season um, in Formula One, and I think the year before he wasn't that much higher. I'm just going to check that. Uh, before the, the year before they did uh, Drive to Survive, uh, Max Verstappen was sixth. So again, was a guy who had found success in individual races, but at that point had yet to like put a full season together, though he is, was incredibly young at the time. I think it, when they're filming this, he's 21, I think, uh, in this first season. But very much a guy who... Yeah, from a very early age, kind of knew, and the team kind of knew what was up with him and, and what the expectations were going to be. And he was a guy who rose to meet them. And, you know, I don't know that he, you know, we'll get to it later in later seasons when we get to see him more. His relationships with his teammates has always sort of been a, a point of contention. But, you know, when you're the guy, it's, and the team knows that you're the guy and, you know, he was a guy who knows what he's worth. He had a contract signed for, for, I think, you know, past the point, uh, of, of this year by the time we get to this 2018 season. So, you know, big, big name, uh, featured star. And yeah, we're going to get to him a bit more later, but I think he's, it is interesting when we get to see him, uh, the little bits we get to see him that even from a young age, he knew what he was about. Um, I think the human interest stories that they did in this first season to sort of introduce you to some of the characters was kind of a big personal favorite part for me. We did an episode about Carlos Sainz 
and I'm a big big fan uh after this episode like I think his his story is very interesting he obviously has you know his family in racing um Carlos Sainz senior was a big name in in racing um and different kinds of racing it was more of a he was a rally racer but a, still a huge huge name in in driving for years and it's a quite a legacy to have to live up to and Carlos Sainz Jr is I don't think he's never been a champion or anything like that and I think to the to date he only has one win which we'll, we'll get to in the future but clearly a very very talented driver Absolutely one of one of the biggest things for me in this season I found uh the relationship between Cyril and uh Christian Horner of Renault, liability of the Renault engine, and Christian Horner uh, deciding to join Honda uh, in 2019. I think throughout this series, you're, you're seeing uh, this team principal Cyril uh, of Renault. He, he's it's almost a sad story. It's kind of this. This feels like the beginning of the real big downfall for him. With certain, certainly there were some high moments, but uh, this almost kind of like was the catalyst to where this guy is now. Oh, I don't know if you would agree with that. Well, the big thing about Renault was that I think at the end of 2018, we talked to, or at the end of the 2018 season, Daniel Ricardo, who is again a big point of view character signs with Renault and I think leading into season two there were big expectations that Renault was going to you know they finished fourth place they're going to make the push to get into that top three and that was sort of the direction that they were headed and yeah as you sort of said not that they've ever not that they've ever been terrible they're always a team that's you know up there and in the mix but they're just I think they had expectations to really compete with the top teams and they just didn't end up doing that. And we'll get more to Daniel Ricardo, but that Renault thing didn't go the way I think anybody wanted it to. What are your thoughts on Christian Horner? So Christian Horner is the team principal of Red Bull. And he's interesting. Because on the one hand, he's, you know, he is clearly very good at his job. He is very much, you know, businesslike. He knows what his expectations are, and they're very, very high. And he knows what he wants from, he knows what he wants uh, from his drivers. He has high expectations for them. He has high expectations uh, of the team, of, of the ability for that uh, you know, his uh, the car to perform too, which is why they switched from from Renault to Honda. Is they felt like they could get one, have a bit more control in how things operate, and two, ultimately have more success with a different engine, which ultimately proved to be true. The most interesting thing for me about Christian Horner is that he does not get along with the other team principals. It seems like maybe a couple of them, but the we see a lot of you know contentious relationships between him and Toto Wolf and and him and um head of Renault and you know like there's a lot of that where it's it's interesting to me that you know everybody's here and they're all doing this and they all sort of know what the game is 
So there's an element, I think, especially amongst the drivers at the end of the day, that they might have, you know, spats or different things here or there, but they all sort of know what this thing is about, and they all seem to largely get along. And I think for the team principals, there's an element of that too. Christian Horner, I feel like, is more exception to that, was my was my takeaway. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not sure if you have any particular thoughts about it. Because he's, again, going to see his home life is also really fascinating when we get to in the future seasons. Yes, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that for then. But um, I, I, he is, you know, he's that heel manager who he's the, the, the guy, kind of the guy who will, you know, he'll say something nice to your face and you, you turn around and he's got something negative to say. Like, again, the relationship with him and Cyril uh, is is really the first time you get like any sort of view of that, and I immediately, um, that's I think what hooked me to this show was not only are we getting a personality profile on these drivers, but these the people who run these uh, teams and are have such high expectations every single time we uh, or the you know they start the start of a new season, and and Christian Horner is a guy who has been a champion, uh, has won a championship before, and he, with the team, the Red Bull team, has, you know, very, very high expectations. So he's very cutthroat in a sense, um, but he's a fascinating character. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think the next thing I sort of wanted to to talk about was, how do I... Um, the story, I think, of all the teams that happened, or the things that happened in 2018, I do think the, which is not saying this lightly, I think the most impactful story of this was the story of Force India. Certainly. And so Force India, let's see if I, if I can remember everything about, about this situation, is that uh, Force India was owned by, and now I'm trying to remember his name because I did not write it down, um, Vijay Malaya. And in the middle of this 2018 season, and again, this is just, I feel like, the part of this is I think Netflix got a little bit lucky in when they started to cover this and some of the fascinating stuff that was happening as a result of or with these seasons. But some of it is just this stuff seems to happen every year where there's something fascinating going on. But yeah, Force India stopped being a thing in the middle of the season. They ended up getting uh taken away from their owner and put into basically being run by, I think it was a trust for a little bit, and then along comes Lawrence Stroll, who um, is a lot. Quite a, a forceful personality in the world of racing. And it's sort of interesting to see that um, watching a team sort of dissolve in the middle, in, you know, right before our eyes. So they end up, and by the year later, they were no longer Force India. A year later, um, 
they, I think, I'm trying to remember what they ended up switching the team to. They've since switched it again, have they not? Yeah, they have. I think they were they were going out through a couple different variations before they could. I think they were Racing Point, and then after being Racing Point, I think they've switched again since then. But yeah, they're Aston Martin now. Can't go, can't go wrong with James Bond's car. Um, but yeah. It's it is very interesting to see those sort of that and, and it was unfortunate because again from a racing standpoint and you see the the people who are involved there everyone had really nice things to say about Force India as a team that what they were able to accomplish with you know not a lot of money, they had a podium finish that season. Mm-hmm. That's really, really impressive to be able to do when you're playing with those against those top teams. It's it's kind of feels like it's unfair. And lest we forget, for a small team, uh, they sure knew how to find drivers. Because if I'm not mistaken, that Force India team um, in that first season. Had yeah, Sergio Perez and um, Esteban Ocon, who especially Sergio Perez has since become a big time player in in racing right now. He's racing for Red Bull, right? And speaking of which, the Esteban Ocon uh, story dive they did on him uh, might have been my favorite one. <laughs> Just the episode when they were talking about the two of them and sort of the realization that because Lawrence Stroll was coming in, his son was going to be racing for them the next season. And here you have these two excellent drivers who are basically duking it out to see who got to be got to be the one who stuck around. That was easily some of the most dramatic uh, parts of season one. I thought that that tiny little storyline and, and and what's nice about season one, and I know we mentioned this off the top, is there there wasn't as much access. So these these middle of the ground middle ground teams, some of the, the and this doesn't like this this uh, situation is completely different because of like you said, uh, Lance Stroll coming in, but all these fights between these drivers to be the best of the middle ground. I, I thought was it made for like really compelling television. One hundred percent. The other, the last thing I sort of wanted to talk about in terms of season one was we didn't get a lot of Kimi Raikkonen, but what we got was pretty glorious. <laughs> he he is. I don't know that it's fair that even even him now. I don't know that it's fair to call him uh, curmudgeonly. I think that's a bit um, that's a, a bit too far in terms of a term. But, I mean, for a guy who's nicknamed the Iceman, he in every way lives up to that nickname. Just cold, blunt, to the point. Not really here to sort of fool around with any of this other nonsense. I'm just here to, to drive, and these press conferences um, inconvenience me, so I will inconvenience you in the process. 
Um, and it is interesting that the, the year later, because he was driving for Ferrari at the time uh, in this first season. We didn't really get to see too much on Ferrari in the first season because they were kind of away from it. But he was replaced with Charles Charles Leclerc. We got a little bit of Charles Leclerc. We get more of him in the second season. But again, very rare for Ferrari to put a, a rookie into place. And that's so it was kind of cool to see this young kid who really, really wanted to drive for for Ferrari get that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are we ready to get into season two? Oh, by the way, I guess we didn't really. They didn't really cover. Um, I wish we can talk about uh, Haas a little bit too, because uh, Haas was a very good story in 2018, and sadly it did not carry forward for them. They finished fifth that season, which seems like a distant memory right now. Yeah, but Gunther Steiner, I think, was was great. He's very entertaining. He very much, you know, is not a person who is afraid to say what is on his mind. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like almost to a negative degree, he almost got more of a cult following than either of the drivers. Mm, 100%. It is actually kind of funny. I can't remember who it was, but there was a person, because, again, his two drivers at the time were, and we get to see more of them in in future seasons, and they, they turn out to be kind of at least one of them in particular turns out to be kind of an interesting character. It's uh, Romain Grosjean and, Grosjean and uh, Kevin Magnussen. Right. And I remember there was one race where, and they just sort of threw this in, was somebody on some other team who was sit, as they're lining up getting ready to race, turns to uh, another person on the same team and says, Romain's going to crash in the first turn. And lo and behold, first turn comes along. Guess who's in the dirt? It's Roman Grosjean. And that, that to me was, that was probably my, like the, in terms of the comedy moment, that was probably a, a high one up. Cause they, they have this sponsorship. You go into the races, they're not performing well. And there goes rich energy. Yeah. And that's one of those things is that. To lose your sponsorship, they they got it for the start of the season and lost it by the British Grand Prix, which is not even the halfway point. It's around the halfway point, I should say. That's a lot. Raikkonen feels like a podium from a long time ago, but that's only, you know, five seasons ago. Not having the season that they were expecting to, and ultimately... The season they ended up having, I think from that point, it only really got worse. Like, in that gridded British Grand Prix, both of their cars retired to sort of, you know, put the nail on the head of how this season was going to go for them. Like, Sebastian Grosjean got them three points. Or, sorry, Roman Grosjean, so I should say, got them, it turns eight points. That's not a great season. And certainly, I'd say that we. We have a situation with that team now where we look at this point and look at where they're at now. And, I mean, as entertaining as Gunther Steiner is, the tire fire is is really really set ablaze at this point. 
2021, which was season four, they, they end up going to zero. Like, it's sad, but it does not get better for Haas. The story does not improve, and that's disappointing in sports when, you know, because everyone involved is very likable. The drivers are likable. Gunther Steiner is likable. Um, you kind of pull for them. You want them to succeed. It just doesn't go that way. What's interesting about that is that I, and this is maybe just me, I didn't get the same, like, I hope you pull it out feelings from Williams. No. <laughs> no. This tire fire had been already set. So, I think the low point in the documentary for me, for Williams, because my, my one note on Williams is that, oh, this is not good. It's real bad. And the thing about it is that Williams is a name that I remember from when I was a kid uh, being a really successful um, outfit, if I'm not mistaken, when he won his Formula One championship in 97, uh, Jacques Villeneuve was driving for Williams. This is a team with rich history. Yes. And yeah, Jacques Villeneuve uh, did in fact drive for Williams. Not only did he win the world championship, they won the constructors' championship that year. Yeah, this was a successful, successful team. And yeah, to have it go where you go from that—I mean, you know—it's been a long time since '97. But this is a team, again, with a long and rich history. And to go from that to a season where, in 2019, was their low point, they had one point. Sorry, I should say, to the 2020, they had zero points. But in 2019, I feel like, was was part of the... I feel like that one point isn't preventing that from being, you know, part of the low point. And, yeah, it's just... The, the highlight, highlight, low light, it's hard to tell with with Williams for me in terms of a moment in the documentary there was oh this is not going to end well Williams had George Russell and George Russell it was clear was a very good driver on a very bad team and I remember him sitting in a meeting basically yelling at the people that they need to get this car together and I think at the time he was 22, 21. Yeah, he's very young. But it's kind of, and the problem is, it's sad to see, you know, this kid basically running down a room full of of adults. At the same time, he wasn't wrong. And that's, that's not ideal. It's not what you want. What were some of the highlights of season I thought, again, we could get into the Albin uh, Gasly story if you want to, because I do think that was a, a highlight. Yes, yes. So Red Bull starts the season with, obviously, Max Verstappen, their golden boy, and Pierre Gasly was their second driver. And Pierre Gasly, his start to the season was okay, 
but not remotely what they would say would be up to standard for a team like Red Bull. By the time they decide to replace him, and they do decide to replace him with Alexander Albon, Alex Albon was getting more consistent results as a Red Bull driver than Pierre Gasly did ultimately. I am curious your thoughts about sort of the change and, and I guess the abruptness of it. Uh, I mean, personally, I'd say it was a bit premature. Like, while um, it was obvious that Gasly was struggling, I don't think, I think looking back at it now, he's proven himself to be quite the, you know, good driver. And Alex Albon, well, I mean, I'll be honest, like, he's not where he isn't. He's not <laughs> with them anymore. And... I just, I don't know. I feel like it might have been a, a questionable decision on Christian Horner's part. Yeah. Looking back, back on it. In retrospect, in, yeah, certainly in hindsight, it does look like, and as we go into the 2023 season, I'm not even sure that Alex Albon has a team at this point. Right. In, in real life. So, you know, it's quite the fall from Greece. Whereas, yeah, no, Alex Albon is driving for Williams, uh, a fate that... <laughs> Wow, that, uh, that, we couldn't have we couldn't have matched those two stories better. <laughs> oh, poor Alex Albon. Um, but yeah, the, it was a cool story seeing his story. There was an interesting, you know, portion where they kind of glossed over the like. Oh, by the way, my mom was in prison for a little bit, but that's not important, right? Right. That definitely, you know, caught my attention as a, huh, I wonder what that's about. They didn't seem to delve too deep into that. They they moved right on past it. Yeah, he's, uh, Albon was definitely an interesting character. Again, it's part of that, that nature, um, you know, he's... He was born in London. He is obviously uh, English, but he races under the Thai flag, and I totally get it. You know, there's a lot more money and opportunity for somebody who to be able to go basically to investors and, and different people in Thailand and to be able to say, hey, you know, I'm I'm the driver. I am I'm it from right. from here. You know. Because and they we talked about the, or they talked about this in season one with Sergio Perez and his tethers to Carlos Slim, who is um, was the former richest man in the world for a little bit. Those that money coming in is a huge deal, and these things cost a lot of money. These cars cost a lot of money, which is always interesting to see one breaking or when they when when they crash. Watching, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of dollars it would be to to watch it slam into a wall. <laughs> uh, it definitely puts it into a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think the the Gasly Albon storyline was really good. Seeing Pierre Gasly come back and get a second place finish in Brazil and everything about that Brazil race was probably my favorite when we actually got to cover it because that Brazil race was chaos. And it was cool that we did end up getting to cover it eventually. And it was 
A podium for Carlos Sainz. It was a podium for Pierre Gasly, his first podium. That was really cool. And, you know, it's all those races where there's something that goes wrong at the top and you get just, you know, chaos and people finishing all over the place. Those are the fun races. The who's who of the middle ground is are, are, are put on like a huge or they're given a huge spotlight. And it's uh, it's those races are, you know, while they can't be scary and whatever, are always interesting, like you said. So. I don't. I'm trying to remember what else was was interesting for season two. They uh, kind of they kind sorry, of was... papered over at the end. Oh, you know, let's get to something else before we get to the end. I guess the only other thing I would say that was a really uh, notable point for me was the Nico Hulkenberg story, where he has that opportunity to get a podium, his first podium, uh, and I think he was good, he was set to win that race was the the German Grand Prix. Which he ends up uh, missing that last turn and crashing the car, or the second to last turn, I think, in that Grand Prix, and crashing his car and not getting that opportunity. And yeah, Nico Hulkenberg still chasing that first podium, and that's that's hard. Especially because I remember he was a driver who came in very young and there was a lot of, you know, expectations. This is a good, good driver. And it just goes to show how hard it is to be that guy in in racing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're so used to winning and you win constantly. Like This is a guy who um, won the... the Le Mans race in, in 2015, like has proven himself to be a good driver uh, all the way along. He, he, he won and was incredibly successful. And then his best finish in formula one has been ninth, seventh, I should say, but that's not the place that you would expect for a guy of his expectations. And it's, it's, it's just a sign of how tough it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the one big like uh, thing that, that came out of season two, and I think we forgot to mention it was uh, this is the season that we got big teams and big team principals. Yes, we got the introduction, obviously, to Total Wolf, and Total Wolf is an imposing figure. So you're a big fan of Total Wolf. Yes, uh, the, the this is a guy who, it, like, I I'm enamored with the just. It's the same thing with with Gunther Steiner. It's the same thing with Christian Horner. Like when they're talking, I'm paying attention because what they're saying is fascinating. Their personalities are fascinating. The egos are are yeah, and this and this guy like I think he may come across at times like the most egotistical, um, but for good reason. Like Mercedes is a very capable team, and he's proven to be a very capable um, team principal. One hundred percent. Could not there's agree. a there, there's a it's this season or sitting talking to like I don't know if just the ladies around the office, but there's just six women surrounding him, just kind of like in awe of just him speaking. And I just I died laughing when I saw that. 
this again, it is interesting to see the the character interactions between them for sure. And yeah, I there's a lot of there's a lot of very interesting stuff that we get to see um, towards the end of this season. And what is interesting is I'll say after the the fascinating stuff about the Grizzlian Grand Prix. They very briefly at the end talked about how budget constraints were coming. Yes. Uh, 2020 was going to be the last season where teams were kind of free to spend whatever they wanted. And, they, and you know, it was going to be an opportunity for other teams to um, to put their budget stuff together. And other teams, you know, other teams were going to do what they, what, uh, were going to be able to compete in, uh, a bit more than they were, had in times past. They sure didn't ever talk about that ever again. No, <laughs> no they did not. So it was very interesting to see, like, you know, that felt like a, a big lead in to the next, to the third season. And yeah, I just, I don't know that anything ever followed up on that. Um, another big lead into the third season was that we were coming up on a season where a lot of drivers' contracts were going to expire. in at the end of that season, we got a lot of movement the next but, for that next coming year, and that was it was exciting to see for sure. Um, but but with all that being said, Kyle, uh, I think this is the perfect stop point to a season. We, we covered season one. We or season, season two. The podcast has been tumultuous to say the very least. Uh, I think we're going to switch our, our, our uh, devices, or I'm going to switch my device to cover the next batch. So, with all that being said, Kyle, why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to Drive to Rewind, Wednesday Night Wallop, Wednesday Night Rewind, World's Funniest Podcast, and all of our great shows, where to find us on social media? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at WM Wallop, on Instagram, WM Wallop, on Facebook, search Wednesday Night Wallop. Uh, our colors, our names, that's us. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can do so at KJ. That is L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, where can they find you on Twitter? At R-Y-A-M Sport Report is where you can find me. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me for the first edition of Drive to Rewind. Thank you to everyone who's joined us and drive home safe. You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.